local USCW 3000. We are the union. The union is us. Welcome to our UFCW 3000 Union Podcast. Thank you so much for coming. We have Brandon with us. And if you want to go ahead and introduce yourself and just tell us a little bit about how you got into union work, how long have you been working and involved with our union? Just give us a little more information about you. Sure. Yeah. First and foremost, thank you so much. And I'm so excited that we're doing this. So thank you for having me. I'm Brandon Zielinski. Um, I'm a union representative here with UFCW Local 3000. I currently am all in healthcare, so represent over a thousand nurses. And then as you know, some service and tech folks as well. So I have been with UFCW for just over a year now. Hit my year at April 4th. And before that, I was with another union as staff there. Honestly, that was kind of my introduction to the union world. I did not know before then really that you could be staff at a union or Mm. work like directly as a union rep. Otherwise, I probably would have changed the first part of my (laughs) life to make that happen quicker. But I do almost feel like, you know, the experience and the jobs that I had before, like the job that I had directly before I started working at a union was sort of like the catalyst for that. Mm -hmm. It was the worst job. It was terrible. It was a horrible corporate entity that I worked for. And, you know, I got the job when I was like, I want to say 19 or 20. Yeah, right when you're first getting out there learning how to work. Exactly. It was like, okay, I'm out of school. Um, I have to get a job and make money. And it was just readily available. And then, you know, throughout working there, I just couldn't believe that it was real almost. Like that's the feeling that stuck with me is just how can we all be upset all the time at the same things. Right. And there's really no way for us to do anything about it. And I think as just being like loud and the visibly and audibly frustrated person that I can be in situations like that, I started to just be very sort of critical and cynical about the work that we were doing. And, you know, this big corporate body just like feeding us all garbage all the time. And all of us just being frustrated, being upset, being overworked and burnt out and leaving there every single day feeling like, okay, I have to go home and lay down now because I can't do anything else. I can't use my brain anymore because it's been so bombarded um, that I I just kind of started what I think was the natural path to organizing. Mm -hmm. From there, I mean, when I moved out to Washington, that was in Buffalo where I'm originally from. Mm -hmm. When I moved out to Washington, it was perfect timing right before the pandemic. So my partner and I moved and sure enough, both of the jobs that we were going to have just fell through because why wouldn't it? Why wouldn't it? (laughs) But it ended up being good for where our careers ended up. And, you know, I would say that for for mine as well, of course, because 
through the job hunt, I found a job staff at a union. Immediately when I saw that, I was like, I got to get that job. And it just really started from there. Once I started seeing what the work was like, and once I started learning from my coworkers and getting involved in those projects and organizing that we were doing, it was just like a light bulb went on. And I was like, well, I have to do this forever now. (laughs) (laughs) It was meant to be. Yeah. You know, now I've been here for just over a year as a rep. Before I was not a rep at my last union, but I kind of did everything. I was Mm -hmm. in... Uh, comms. I did a lot of training and education. Um, I worked with a bunch of reps, so I'm very indebted to them for just about everything I know about how to be a rep. (laughs) Yeah. That's, uh, I wish that there was like a more compelling story, but it was just like, wow, I hate this job and I have to do something about it. (laughs) You know, sometimes that's all it takes because really what is the biggest motivating factor for change? It's being unhappy with something and you either accept it or you say, you know what? This isn't okay. I'm going to make a difference. I'm going to make this better for me and other people behind me. So I think that everyone has their own story. And that is probably the base of most rep stories. We worked at a facility or for some employer and it was a terrible experience. And then we discovered that it doesn't have to be that way. Right. Right. That was exactly it. I I remember distinctly the first time where I was in like a staff meeting and, you know, they were trying to like change around our whatever. Yeah. You know, just like, oh, this is different now and you have to do it this way or else you don't have a job. And, you know, I rolled my eyes or something like that or made like an under my breath comment. And one of the managers goes, oh, it's just Brandon. He's negative about everything. And another coworker of mine who was just not the type to do this, she goes, well, he's really just saying what we're all thinking. And it was like, oh, it's happening. It's you happening. Know? Like, and then I kind of realized that, okay, we can say this. And mm-hmm. I never got in trouble for any of that. Yeah. Which was totally their fault. <laughs> they just never did anything about it. But um, it was kind of that moment of like, oh, we, we are all upset. We are all frustrated about the same things. And wait, we can all voice that. Yeah. So and we just sometimes we need the reminder and the support. Yeah. And it was definitely that sort of, I mean, that's base level solidarity, right? We talk about it. Yeah. Solidarity in unions all the time. But what does that actually mean? And I think what it meant for me at that exact moment was, okay, I'm known by management as like the guy that's always going to roll his eyes and be frustrated Mm -hmm. about things. But what it translated to when I got that response from another coworker of mine, it translated to a a little bit of validation, right? Yeah. More protected. We can do this together. We can say these things together. Exactly. And feel good about actually having a little bit of like a bond between our shared trauma. Yes. (laughs) For doing this work. Builds the strongest bonds. Right. And that is part of the reason why I wanted you here, because it does boil down to our union. How does this work? What is a union? Why should I be a part of it? What can it do and change? And the first person that we meet at orientation is from the union to tell us a little bit about it. And so I figured what better way to start our podcast than with the person that we would meet first when we are first introduced to it. Right. When I first started working I had no idea about unions. I have just never had the experience. Never, never had the yeah, experience. Never I was fresh out of school and went straight to a hospital and got hired on full time and just was on a run. Yeah. And it wasn't until I got frustrated with things at work that I started delving into it. But it was you guys who came in and explained how important it is. And right. so that's what I was hoping you would do today is just give us the, the spiel that you would give anyone in a conference room when you're explaining what we're about. Yeah, that's a great question. And to be honest, I would say that the majority of that conversation and that meeting, like a new employer orientation, introducing them to not only our union, specifically Mm -hmm. UFCW Local 3000, but to the concept of unions as a whole is something that I do try to, I do try to introduce that in most of my NEOs is Mm -hmm. kind of go in and I do like to read the room. You know, I try to handle things very much based on like the room wants, you know, you're meeting with these people who are like, who is this person and what are they trying to sell me? 
Yeah. Right. I think that's yeah. the natural instinct that we all have nowadays, right? Where someone comes up to us and we're like, I don't want a discount on whatever you're <laughs> trying to give me a discount, right? Like, yes. That's exactly. our, our defiant opposition to being approached by someone as a society yeah. right now, right? For me, I, I do always like to try and center it around organizing and, and taking ownership of your union. Right. And so I ask folks typically, have you ever been in a union? Do you know what a union does? And that's probably at the, you know, at the frustration of some of our directors, because I don't think they love <laughs> that question because folks have bad experiences. Right. And that's very valid. And and so, of course, that opens the door to, yeah, I wasn't a union and they didn't do anything for me. However, I like to introduce that because some people aren't aware, right? Like what we have both just said. And that's very important. And for me, when I think about when I was first introduced to this concept, and it was before I got my job at my first union that I worked for when I really got involved in like, okay, what is the labor movement? What are they doing? And how can I get involved in that? So I do try to sort of put that into and wrap that into a lot of the first conversations that I'm having with new workers. And that's why I ask, do you know what a union is? Have you ever been a union member before? And so typically from there, I will kind of explain. And again, at the core of that is organizing and taking ownership of that union. And I think it's important for workers to know that from the very inception of how a union is formed to the contract that I'm holding in my hand to give to all of you on your first day, all of that is because coworkers before you at this work site and coworkers before you all over the globe got together and did something for them. They did something for themselves. And I, I like to kind of put that in people's brains right away that this is always about and always will be about power and numbers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you join a union by winning an election, a majority of workers opt to join the union. Yeah. And then you win your first contract, which is bargained by members and voted on and won by a majority of votes mm-hmm. on that contract. And I want people to leave feeling like this isn't something that I'm part of, right? It's it's something that we're all a part of, that we all get to advocate for these changes, all get to advocate for what we want in yeah. our contract. And I think that's really where I like to start. It can be, of course, difficult when you're looking at a bunch of new employees that are not interested in, <laughs> in what you're saying. And again, no, they're right. kind of thinking like, who is this guy? Why is he talking to me? <laughs> But I I think that that is the core understanding that I want people to have when they leave because I'm not selling you something. Yes. And I'm not a good salesperson (laughs) because I don't like, I'm very bad at lying. I like to be able to go into an orientation and be like, this is not my contract. Right. This is not, you know, my employment contract with this employer. This is your contract. I have my own union and I have my own contract. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is yours, solely yours, right? Yes. So. Really, you're just, you're presenting the facts. Exactly. And after that, it really is up to every individual that's there. Do I want to join? Do I want to become a part of this or do I not? I think a lot of that boils down to, or at least it did for me when I first started is I didn't like some parts of her contract. I Mm -hmm. wanted it to be better. And well, the only way to make it better is to get involved. Right. You got to step up and be a willing participant because if you just sit back, nothing's going to change. And that is true, not only theoretically in the concept of what we do with our union and as a union, but I think even in my work as a rep, we often don't know where the fires are. Right. And so it can be, and management don't either. And I'm not saying that to give any benefit to them, but certainly when we hear from folks who are having these workplace issues or problems, Mm -hmm. um, I'll ask folks, okay, so thank you for reaching out to me. Have you communicated this up the chain of command to your employer? And I would say more often than not, we're hearing no. Right. And of course, I would prefer that they're still reaching out to me first so we can have that conversation without them having to feel like they need to go to management and then come to me. 
because I want to be aware of it as early as possible. But nothing will change if, it, if it's not discussed, if it's not brought up, if it's not yes. made aware to you know your union and, and to management. We don't know where the fires are if we can't see the fire. It's all about communication mm-hmm. and communication is key, which is one of the reasons why we decided to launch this podcast is we needed a more effective way to reach out to all of our members and to educate them and keep them updated in all of the things that we're doing. Yeah. So why do you think it's important to be a member? Like what is the number one reason for you of why it's so important for people to join? I'm going to bring it back to organizing again, the power in numbers. And I say this when we get into contract fights, Mm -hmm. when we're in bargaining, every single person that we have on a picket line, every single person that we have standing next to us directly impacts the outcome that we get in any workplace issue. Yeah. You know, numbers mean a lot, especially when we all gather in a group. And if you want to make a change and for example, when you're fighting for contract and you're Mm -hmm. frustrated, you've been at the bargaining table for some cases over a year or maybe two years, and you're just at your wits end, getting everyone together in a big group and getting everyone's attention is what actually ends up making that change happen. Right. Again, power numbers and it's it's management and, you know, our sort of like governing bodies, whether that's management or if we're in a political fight, it's seeing that this is that that translates to the importance of the issue. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I also noticed that there's even though I've been a member for 12 years now, I'm still learning new things and new benefits to being a member that I didn't know about. Yeah. For example, I found out recently that they can help with life insurance, right? which I didn't know we offered that. I knew we got that through our job or you could get that through a separate business right. and pay for it separately. But we actually get that for free from our union right. to a certain amount. And then that can extend to our family or friends if you refer them. I had no idea that that was something we offered. And I thought that was so cool. Yeah. And so beneficial. What are some things that you found out about that maybe you didn't know or that you think are uncommon for people to be aware of? That's a good question. And I think for me, one of the biggest surprises or and maybe not even necessarily surprises, but one of the things that I, I saw when I first started and was happy to see is like our membership assistance program. We often refer to it just by the acronym, like our MAP fund, MAP. And that is a pot of funds that we have available for members who are experiencing an acute crisis. And so we will typically use those funds to pay for the essentials for that person. Mm-hmm. So it can be an utilities bill. It can be really rent if need be, I think. And it's something that is, again, we have all of these members. I think I've heard about this. This is for, for example, we had a flood that happened a few years ago mm-hmm. and Grace Harbor caused mm-hmm. some landslides and it actually took out some of my coworkers' homes. They weren't able to go home. And I was talking to one of our reps about this. And if this helps in cases kind of like that, where you're just very temporarily displaced and you need a place for a night or two nights, we have these resources to help out. And I had no idea. My regret of not knowing that is, oh my gosh, we could have reached out and helped some of our coworkers who were suffering at that time. Right. Yeah. Right. It's we have, you know, we have so many members in this union and we have so many resources between all of us. And even if it's just attending a general membership meeting or yes. quarterly meetings, instead of get your you know monthly dues reimbursement to yourself, you can opt to donate that to the MAP fund. Yeah. And so part of that is how we build that fund as well. Right. And of course, being on staff, that's just kind of like the automatic, you know, checkboxes to give that mm-hmm. to that fund because we all are lucky enough to hopefully never have to consider right. whether or not we need to utilize that money. But the fact that we have it available, better to have it and not need it. 
Yes, exactly. It's that emergency savings funds, and it really does make a huge difference for a lot of people. Our membership meeting, you get a nifty little postcard in the mail that will tell you when your general membership meetings are and the one that's closest to you. If you are available to go, I'd highly recommend it. I do wish more folks would attend those, frankly, um, because it really is like such an insight into the work that we've been doing. And we really break it down by department Mm -hmm. and by industry and, uh, you know, this quote unquote, like category of work. Here's what we've achieved over the last quarter since our last meeting. Yeah. And so we'll talk about new organizing wins. We talk about new contract wins. Yes. Uh, We talk about, of course, political and community goals that we've achieved and our wins from our member resource center, which is essentially our contract enforcement and and Mm -hmm. grievance team, who I am so indebted to as a rep. uh, (laughs) I go to them. I was just going to say, it's also a great opportunity if you have concerns about stuff that's happening at your workplace. That is the best place and time to take those concerns and thoughts and just a great way to keep your rep in the loop of what is going on. Because again, they don't know unless we tell them. That's right. It is all about communication. That's right. And you get to look at a big fun sheet of, you know, our our finances, our expenses. And I think it's really interesting to look just to see like our different properties, our strike and defense fund. When you ask, you know, where is that money going to? It's almost Mm -hmm. like this perfect, you know, single one pager. Yes. Here's And it's in language terms. It's easy to understand. Yeah. And I think I wanted to say for maybe not necessarily like a, a larger benefit or something that we offer as a local. But one thing that I was surprised about or didn't know that was even a possibility is something like union leave. Yes. So I kind (laughs) of wanted to open that up because I know that that is how we got you on here to do this podcast. And that is so exciting. (laughs) So in everyone's contract, and this is something I never paid attention to. I would say most (laughs) too. Oh, most, most, not all. So my, we should say in some contracts. In yeah, some maybe contracts. we'll cut this one. <laughs> <laughs> well, we might leave that in there. It's a good, it's a good learning sure. curve for everyone to hear. <laughs> and a reminder, not all contracts are the same. Yeah. Every contract is different. And I need my bad. <laughs> but in my particular contract, it gives me 60 days to leave and go work for the union, but not lose my job. So basically everything at work goes on pause. And you don't accrue any more sick time or vacation or seniority, but for those 60 days, your job is secure and you can go back. For some contracts, it's up to a year. And sometimes it's just a few weeks. It really just depends on your contract. But when we threw out this podcast idea, I thought that I could just do it in between my work weeks because I have a set schedule. I'm lucky enough for that. And I I came out saying, you know what? I just, I do one week on and basically one week off. I can do podcasts and juggle that in the middle. And quickly realized that when you're starting such a huge project, you really need more concentration. So I connected back with my team, my union rep, and the lovely members here have been helping me with this, Anna and Galen. And they threw out the idea of, why don't you take union leave? And I was like, well, what's that? And they explained everything to me. And I thought, that is so cool. I get to come and experience what it's like to work just 100% focused on our union and focus on this project and get it launched. It's an experience that I recommend for any member who wants to take on a project or just get to know our union more, volunteer. There are so many outlets and different projects that people can take on and, and they'll so learn so much. Jump into. So many. It yeah. is literally endless. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, I think uh, we, we get to do stuff all the time that is... It's a contract fight and we're fighting for typically the really important things like wages, like benefits uh, or first contract. Yeah, healthcare. And so there are these serious fights. But of course, one of the most fun things about being part of a union is we get to do pickets. We get to do, you know, leafleting. We get to do all of these very big and loud and, you know, 
I enjoy that part. I enjoy the big and loud and the picketing and yeah. the stuff, just really getting your community's attention. That's my jam. Yep. And yeah, when you're on lost time, you need leave. I mean, you're, you get to be like the roadie who comes with us to all it those is. fun things. So, <laughs> it's so much fun. That's super exciting. And, uh, yeah, I would only agree and, you know, really stress that it's such a, an excellent benefit to the members. It's such a good educational piece. Mm-hmm. for folks to come on and learn more about what we do and how to get engaged. And again, our work touches not only just the contracts that we enforce and deal with our respective employers, but there is community work, there's political work, and there's so many different ways for folks to lean into that. And when you have that time, taking lost time, union leave mm-hmm. to focus in on those, that can be such a learning experience and such a good life experience. So what are some common misconceptions about our union? Yeah, maybe not even specifically our union, for example, but I think just, again, unions unions in general, general, what we were talking about before. And I think the biggest misconception that we're certainly trying to lead the work on uh, is just some of the semantics used when speaking about your union or working with your union, right? And Mm -hmm. kind of like, oh, the union did this or the union did that. You know, and, and sort of feeling like this isn't something that you as a member of this union or you as a member of this local are sort of different from or apart from. I think that we get that a lot, staff, right? Yeah. They see me as the union, the work that I do as the union, whereas in, again, this machine doesn't run at all without the members. Exactly. And it is based on member engagement and member involvement. And I think that that it may be a misconception due to some of the old sort of service models that a lot of unions still have. And I, I think that a lot of unions are sort of switching gear to more of an organizing model, really embodying mm-hmm. that this is ours. We need to move together when we want to achieve serious wins. And that's to nobody's fault. That was a model that I suspect worked for a long time or sometime. But it is important to kind of uproot that misconception about the union, right? Yeah. There's no the union. Yeah. This is our union. This is our contract. This is our workplace. Exactly. And when we need change, we fight for change. Yeah. I think one of the most common misconceptions is that once a contract is out, nothing can change. And that is the biggest, biggest false, I guess, understanding of how this all works. Because when a contract's out, yes, we follow the contract. But for example, if you find out that your department is underpaid and you talk about it with your employer, the cost of living has gone up exponentially and your employer agrees and goes, yeah, actually, you should be getting paid more. You know what? We would love to increase your guys's pay scale. We'll do it across the board. You can add in something called an LOU, which is a letter of understanding. And that is something that can be done. So you can still do some positive changes when your contract isn't necessarily expired. And that is one of the common misconceptions that I get frustrated with when I hear or the employer will say, well, we can't do that because this is your union contract. The biggest one. This is already launched and they love to use that excuses. Well, this is what your union negotiated and this is your contract. So we can't help you. We can't give you more money, even though we want to, because you have a contract and we're right. following it. This it's like, it actually, that's a lie. Yeah. <laughs> you can give us more money. You can increase these benefits. Very that is entirely messaging. up to you. It is convenient. Very convenient messaging for management. Yeah. Can always raise wages. If they're so concerned that the union will be upset about them for paying their employees more, they can just send us an email. For for better benefits. How (laughs) dare you? I know. I know. You know us as a union. We hate that. (laughs) All right. Now the nitty gritty. The fun stuff. The fun stuff. So I will fully admit that after 12 years, I did not understand everything that a union rep does. And I mean, not even probably 50%. 
I really underestimated what you guys do for all of us until a friend of mine became a rep and we started talking every day. And as she's filling me in on things on our mutual commutes to and from work, it blew my mind. So I was hoping you would tell me more about it and tell our listeners about it. Like how many contracts do you represent? I think would be a great place to start. And how do they determine how many contracts each rep is, I guess, head of or... I would say like maybe how many contracts you represent or represent, how many contracts yeah. you enforce. Right. Right. That tends to be a little bit more, I think, of a, a representation of like what we're doing with those contracts. Right. So I currently have eight contracts that I represent. With union rep work, there are often changes in where we're working, what our assignments are, where we go based on, you know, any number of factors. So previously I was on a different all healthcare route as well. And then I had 22 contracts. Mm -hmm. So So the reason there's such a vast difference is because it is more specifically broken down on membership count. So they will break down the bulk of our union, how many workers we have, right? How many members we have in our organization and what specific industry it might be in or multiple industries, just geographically speaking, it may be more convenient. It's more accurately broken down, I think, by membership number. So the difference there being previously had like 22 contracts that I represented but had less members, significantly okay. less members. Whereas now I have eight contracts, but for example, at you know one hospital alone, <laughs> there's over 1,000 workers. So many people. Right. Like we discussed before, and what I think is maybe important for other reps or other people curious about rep work is within specific industries, I think you'll find that most contracts, there's going to be nuance to every single one and, and probably different language and nuance in every single contract article. Mm-hmm. They're all going to be different depending on who bargained them, who the employer was, whatever it may be, right? But there are general themes that make it easier once you kind of navigate contracts in mm-hmm. that industry to understand, okay, what would be the general provisions of an article like this? Or what do we see most often? What is the industry standard for this type of mm-hmm. situation or question or issue? And of course, that's ever-changing. Right. So Always look at your contract still. (laughs) For members, of course, always check the contract if I could drive anything home. It is something they drill into our stewards as well. Yep. I just finished stewardship training the other day, and that was one of the questions that came up is, if you're in this scenario, what do you do? And the first response is always, check your contract. Because most of the time, you can figure out the answer to your question just by reading it. That's right. Yep. And it's right there. And that's why I really love the little booklets that we yes. hand out the little mini versions of the contract. Yeah, they fit in your locker at work. They fit in your backpack. They fit in your purse. They, they fit in the glove, glove box in your car. Right. Yes. <laughs> and then you have it, you know, and I, I think that I certainly have the benefit being the staff union rep. We're looking yeah. at contracts all day, but it does sort of put you into the habit of when you have a question to just check my own contract. You yeah. know, like I mentioned, being staff at a union, I have my own union. It's a practice to just, oh, I wonder how that works or who do I need to submit that documentation mm-hmm. to or whatever it may be, right? Check the contract. Yep. And if you don't have a paper copy, you can go online. You can even get it on your cell phone. Mm-hmm. All you do is just go to the main UFCW 3000 website and click on find my contract and just type in where you work and it, it'll pop up. Yep. The MRC, our member resource center, and and your union rep, you can always call if you have a contract question or need assistance on anything, but sometimes it can save you that time, right? And that concern. And I think it's, it can be stressful reaching out to like a stranger or reaching out to the union. It can. People feel like that's still like a a taboo thing to do. Like, oh, I got my union rep involved. Yeah. But if you have that fear, which you shouldn't, but if you do have that fear, you always have access to your own contract, Mm -hmm. right? Yes, I definitely agree. So if someone wanted to become a rep, How would they go about doing that? What's the process of becoming a union rep? 
Also a great question. I think getting involved in your union and being a steward and following a lot of those practices is such a great step because as a rep, you do need to habitualize a lot of those practices, checking contracts, talking with members, getting comfortable talking with strangers. That's right. That's right. Being in meetings with management. Yeah. I know that you have a particular fondness for dealing with management and somewhat stressful situations, kind of like how healthcare workers enjoy our trauma and our ER and our adrenaline rush. You know, we all have stressful aspects of our jobs that some of us enjoy. And I know that I get nervous around management Mm -hmm. when I have to sit down and have conversations that may not be the most comfortable. Right. How do you go about handling those? What got you so into that kind of aspect of your job? I think it goes back to the days where I felt like I just couldn't stand the work that I was doing and couldn't stand my job. And all you want to do is yell about it, right? Or (laughs) tell someone like, you cannot do this to me or you cannot do this to someone else, right? Mm -hmm. And there is sort of a exciting aspect of having, again, a contract that has your rights as a worker printed out in black and white. And so there is something so purely powerful, and this is for members as well, about enforcing those rights. Mm -hmm. This is what I am afforded. This is what, frankly, our employer agreed to when they signed this contract. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think it's probably about empowerment. And that's why I absolutely encourage members, if they feel like they need to reach out to their union rep, absolutely by all means do so. But you can enforce your contract as well. Right, because Um, we all have certain rights, right? right. And I know that recently we were distributing little badges that you could put on your badge reel at work that would remind you of your rights, but I can't remember what were some of those. It was the wine garden rights. The wine garden um, rights. Are on the back of our new healthcare badges. Yes. So we have two new healthcare badges, one of them being RN-specific, registered nurse-specific, that have the three staffing reporting forms and unsafe work Reporting forms, a little QR code you can scan to report through CSI forms and then the Department of Labor and Industries and the Department of Health. And then we have another healthcare badge that has your wine garden rights on the back. And that's a fundamental right. I almost wish I could yell from the rooftop. This is your opportunity. We are yelling it from the radio, from, from your earbuds, from your speakers. Yeah, yeah. Having the wine garden rights available for folks to read and enforce just by reading yeah. a card, right? If, if this meeting could lead to discipline, if this is investigatory, I would like to have a union rep present with me. And you have that right. And management Absolutely. do not get to have an emergency. <laughs> that is such an important one. If management feel like they need to have this meeting so soon that they absolutely cannot wait another second, then frankly, they can put you on paid administrative leave, but they typically will opt to just delay the meeting because it is not that important. Yep. And they will push for it. They will try to intimidate you. And oh, it's just you, a quick chat. It, it's a quick chat. And I've even whipped out my phone and put my union rep on speaker. And I say, can you repeat that, please? Which, of course, they were fully aware of who was standing up on the other side of me out, outside this phone. And they informed them, actually, nope, you have to wait. Yep. You do not get to demand this meeting right now. That's right. And that's, that's a federal right. I mean, that is not a yeah. right in your specific union contract, it may be enforced there as well. Mm-hmm. We've looked to put wine garden rights in some of our contracts specifically, because of course, as we know, we don't always want to trust that legislation and, and our statutory rights will stay the same forever. So in some contracts, it's in there. So it's embodied in there. But yeah, your wine garden rights are a federal right as a union member. And that I didn't know. I knew it was a union right. I didn't realize it was a federal. Yep. And so that's why if, if that right is denied, We can file unfair labor practice charges. That is an unfair labor practice for them to deny you that right to a union representative. If you're in a meeting with management, that could lead to discipline or is investigatory. See, so important to know. Yeah. So important. Yep. And always ask. (laughs) You can always ask. And you can stop the meeting halfway too. Exactly. I 
think management get away with a lot of the time pulling someone into a meeting and it's maybe for the first couple of questions or first couple of minutes, not investigatory. Right. And, and then, then it changes. It changes. Hey, we want to ask you about what happened last they, Saturday. And they love to do that because they take advantage of the situation, especially right. if you're new. I mean, absolutely. If you're if you're brand new and may not understand or may not feel comfortable enforcing, mm-hmm. but you can stop and say, you know, I appreciated the information that you gave me before. I was looking for that paperwork for a long time. Right. Whatever it may have yeah. been. But that appears to be investigatory in nature. If this is something that could potentially lead to a discipline or if this is a fact finding meeting, I will answer your question, but I would like to have my union rep with me before I do so. I at one point was pulled into a meeting with, at that time, my boss. And it was just to have paperwork signed off saying that I'm an official full-time employee, normally not a big deal. And it went from a very positive thing to be pulled into a meeting to, to it changing on a dime because mm-hmm. of this particular individual misunderstood who I am <laughs> and got my name mixed up with somebody else. So started saying all of these negative things mm-hmm. and these complaints that were made about this person thinking that I was her and I had to stop him. And it was intense because I was 21. I was young. And I had to stop him and say, you know what? You need to stop. I feel like I need my union rep mm-hmm. and I am not this person. Yeah. I am this person reiterated by name. And, and what a great stop the meeting and had to turn out and walk out. Too. Oh, huge. <laughs> it was all over just a very not great experience. Wow. But I well, was manager, really now fortunate. Now it's on a podcast forever. <laughs> <laughs> it is there. It is, is documented. <laughs> but I was lucky enough that the person who was helping me get hired on with our union and our contract told me and warned me and said, hey, if you ever feel uncomfortable, you can absolutely stop it. That's right. And you never know. You may have to do that. I haven't yep. had to do that again, but. Thankfully. Yeah. Right? Sometimes right? all Thankfully. it takes is enforcing at one time, <laughs> right? Or one member enforcing at one time. Right. But it's important to do so for that reason. Slightly different topic, but not completely. What is a typical day like for you as a union rep? Just walk me through generally how your days can go. Yeah. Yeah. It can change a lot. I would say there's these sort of standard workflows that I think we can expect as a rep, but certainly there's so much, uh, there's such a broad variety of work that we can be involved in that it, it does change. I probably split it up into like the three primary categories. Yeah. yeah. And I think the first one is focusing on casework when mm-hmm. we're looking at different issues, grievances, we're investigating maybe a disciplinary meeting that we attended We get information from the employer about Mm -hmm. their investigation. And then, of course, it's our responsibility to verify, did the employer meet just cause, right? Mm -hmm. Did the employer actually have the evidence that they needed to assert this? And of course, some situations are pretty straightforward. Some situations we really have to pick through a lot of files. Right. And so I try to split my weeks up with days like that. They're Mm -hmm. going to be a little bit more specific casework, almost like office work that I have to focus on. And then the other side is being out in our workshops, meeting with members. Right. Because you're on the go constantly. All the time. And I try to, to the best that we can, divide that up so I can be out in the worksite with our Mm -hmm. members. And and I do like to have kind of an open forum for folks to come up and say, hey, I have this question, right? And, And just to have a resource available to them. And so that's, I would say, is like the second category, right? It's like out in the field. Yeah. Whether it's a specific structured meeting with our members, we're talking about a workplace issue, we're talking about questions, we're organizing something internally or even externally, right? We're mm-hmm. looking to organize a new unit, which is something that reps are involved in sometimes. 
And then just being an available resource at our work site to workers, you know, being right. there to answer questions, to address concerns. And to... I know I call you a lot. I know you get called a lot by my coworkers <laughs> and emails. So I know that you're driving on the road, sometimes heading to site and you're still juggling this and making it work. And you've always been very prompt, despite the fact that you represent eight contracts with so many people. Yeah. And if you were their one person, their main first go-to contact. Primary yeah. rep. Yeah. Our contact information is, of course, what you're going to find. Mm -hmm. um, not only on our website, if you're searching for your contract to see who, who's my rep, who can I ask this question to, yeah. but on site at all of the facilities as well. I guess I'll say at like all of the shops as well, right? For my other industry reps, mm -hmm. you know, they're going to have their contact information up. And I would say the third category of the work that we do is typically going to be something like bargaining, right? right. Like a bargaining day. Which is an intense. Yep. And that's going to be some divide of, you know, at minimum, like a half day but mm -hmm. more often than not a full day. And that is myself as the rep, our staff bargainer and uh, a bargaining team mm -hmm. of bargaining unit members. If we have you know, nurses, it's going to be made up of ideally nurses from different units. And if it's a service or tech contract, we want a bargaining team made up of different workers from different units to get kind of a good equal representation of mm -hmm. as many units as we can in that. And, and yeah, bargaining days are figuring out priorities, drafting proposals. Yeah, and sometimes, I mean, you really start out going through the contract one line at article a time by article. and it yep. takes so much time. And I know that when we sat down to bargain, and this is something I want to delve more into too, for our yeah. listeners is how bargaining works Yeah, because there's so many aspects that go into it. And even then, while you guys are bargaining, you're still answering phone calls, answering emails, stepping out at the small intervals when you can right. to juggle that. You guys, even though everyone else, like we collectively as a bargaining unit are just bargaining on the contract, your rep that's there, our rep is bargaining on the contract helping people understand their contract more clearly at other sites sometimes or at the same site and addressing five other fires that you don't even know about all at the same time. So we may have a five, six hour contract negotiation day, but our reps often have a much longer day because they're working on everything before and after that whole session begins. Yeah, it can be a lot. <laughs> it can be a lot. And striking that balance is difficult. It's the hard part of the job, figure yeah. out how you structure your day and, and how you can be the most productive and where you can find those pockets of time to make sure that you're touching base with our workers, right? right? And our members when they're reaching out with questions, concerns, issues at their workplace, right? That oftentimes are urgent, right? Right. And, you know, that is, I love bargaining. It's one of my favorite It is parts also of this my job. favorite. Yeah. It's the best challenge. It's the best. I think it's the best for so many reasons, but that is my, again, one of my favorite parts of the job, but it's also like, okay, I have a full day of bargaining on Thursday. So I got to make sure I'm like caught up on everything else before I get yep. into Thursday. <laughs> got to hustle. Um, and then, you know, you get to work on Friday and you're back to where you started. <laughs> it's it's all over. Day. So yeah, no, it's, I think I know that one of the questions you were going to ask is like, what is the favorite part? What is my favorite part yes. of being a rep? And I, I do think that it is the availability to build your own schedule and to get involved in what work we want to, right? There's mm -hmm. so much of our work that is, you know, it's guided by our members, it's questions, concerns, workplace issues that we have to address and we want to uh, try and resolve in the most effective way possible. But we can do that so many different ways. And right. because we have so many work locations and so many contracts, it really does give us that availability to go physically where we want to. Mm -hmm. And I've worked from home. I've worked from an office. And as an individual, I feel like working from home it, I just it's can't do so it. difficult. I really yeah. struggled and I've only been doing this for a few days, but yep. I was just 
when you're at home, there's so many distractions. Yep. You're surrounded by your your at home to do list. Yeah, it's hard to get in the zone. Well, and the doorbell's ringing, and the dog <laughs> needs to eat. And, yeah, you know, and the kids want something. Was, or... Yeah, and I think then this is going to be different for every member, and, and probably for every rep. But I, I was just having this conversation with another rep, and I like to divide those days up where I'm out in the field. And then days where I'm really focused on getting my casework done and returning calls and returning emails right. and following up on situations. I do try to divide that in a way that works. But, you know, I was I was out for a few days and I came back and it was just like the email was full, the phone calls were full, and yeah. it was all these things that I wanted to follow up on and catch up on, right? Yeah. And so I ended up spending four days just back-to-back situations that I was trying to handle and follow up with folks and work out what was going on and come to resolutions on things. And I by the end of the fourth day, I was like, I feel really weird right now. Like, I just don't feel good. You know, I felt yeah. like this like physical and mental, what is going on? Did I forget to eat today? Mm-hmm. Something's off. I think I just got to get out into the field. So I just went to one of my work sites, spent a little bit of time there, met with some members. I notified folks, hey, I'm going to be at the hospital. And it was, you know, again, it was returning from what was just looking at my computer screen all day, yeah. looking at contracts all day, looking at pay slips all day and Long getting nervous. out in the field. It was just breath and fresh so air. rejuvenating and you get to talk to members work with other people and be around again our union members right it, it just consistently proves to me that is one of my favorite parts of the job is being able to decide i do want to go out into the field now and meet with different groups of workers you know i'm always driving yes <laughs> i'm constantly subjecting michaela to road noise <laughs> I, I do the vice versa i don't i don't think i've really called you that often outside of my car as well yep. so i i fully understand <laughs> yep yep so we're always you know putting on the mileage while we're we, while we're chatting so we are i commute quite a ways for work so that's kind of my best time to get caught up on yep. phone calls with everyone or hey i have a question or if you just have a few moments and yep. you've always been great about that and it, for me it's i just get bored driving, you know, and, and of right. course we have folks that are reaching out with questions and concerns mm-hmm. and it can be trickier to do that if it's a situation that I really have to look at the contract for. Yeah. But some quick questions you can answer off the top of your head just right. with your general knowledge. Yeah. You know, it's the perfect time to touch base with folks and Hey, I'm on the road, so I can't take notes. Yeah. You know, I always try and tell folks that. So if I have anything that I have to follow up on, or if I have anything I want to document immediately, I may have to call you back and ask that question again. Yeah. But it's nice because it's kind of a good way for you to preview a situation and know who you need to call back first and prioritize and delve more into it. Right. Yeah. It's a good, it's a good touch base. It's a good tool. I try to tell myself I'll take this drive and try and step away from work for a minute, but then, you know, 10 minutes into the drive, I'm like, I'm bored. bored. I got to call that worker back. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I should call that that member with that question. Uh, And then I just end up making calls because it really, again, it's one of those like rejuvenating things, I think. Yeah. I I can't spend too much time isolated. I like talking to people. I like following up with folks. And so I spend a lot of my drive time on the phone. (laughs) Yeah. It's a good way to get caught up. Yeah. Do you think there's any topics that we haven't covered? Are there more stories you want to share? I think one thing that I love emboldening to new stewards and new folks that I am talking to about whether or not they are interested in attending steward training or being a union steward. Again, this is a lot of information that people don't really have potentially a lot of historical knowledge to, right? Like, Mm -hmm. oh, what is a union steward? If you were to maybe reflexively think about it, you'd think it was the guy like slamming his fists on the table, (laughs) you know, like, you can't do that, Um, which maybe it can be, right? (laughs) Not gonna lie, I like that image. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, and, And hey, it can happen. What is the biggest difference between a rep and a steward? Because I know 
I get approached a lot at work where someone will just ask me, hey, are you a union rep? Can I ask you this question? And I correct them and say, actually, I'm just a steward. Mm -hmm. But yeah, absolutely. Go ahead and ask me a question and I'll do my best to answer it. And if I can't, we'll look at the contract together. If we still can't figure it out, then we'll go ahead and contact your rep. And this is how you find out who your rep is. But one of the cool things I like about being a steward is I do get the option to say no. I don't right. necessarily have to do everything that I'm being asked. There is a big difference between a steward and a rep. Not only do we not carry the intense workload that a rep does, but we are responsible for doing different things. And right. I think you could explain that better than me. And I think you kind of led me into exactly what I was going to highlight. And that is a conversation that I like to have with all of my folks who are interested in becoming stewards mm-hmm. with their union. You can really make it your own. Reflexively, if we think about what would what is a union steward? What do they do? You may have this image or expectation that there are all of these expectations or like things that you have to do in order to maintain your stewardship. And that's not the case at all. You can lean into whatever part of your union you want to be involved in. We do so much work as a union and our working lives and our power that we have through our union touches so many different aspects of not only our work life, but of our personal lives as well. You know, we have community partners Mm -hmm. that we engage in these big fights with. We have political goals that we're trying to fight for. Like Um, safe staffing law that we just passed. Exactly, right? Like, you know, you can really make this whatever you'd like to do. Mm -hmm. And I think that can, again, be very empowering for people because you can lean into and develop your skills in whatever aspect of stewardship you want to. And I have plenty of folks that will reach out and say, hey, I want to be a union steward and we'll take them through wine garden training, right? Where it's how do you be a union steward or a union rep in a meeting with a worker when they are subject to potentially a discipline, right? Or an investigatory Mm -hmm. meeting. And reasonably so, there's plenty of stewards, plenty of members who say, I don't know if that's for me. That seems really over my head and really scary. I I would have no idea what to do. Yeah. And I, I would say even that is a misconception. I think wine garden meetings are such a fantastic thing to be there with someone mm-hmm. for and such a rewarding way that we can engage our union is to be there with someone when they're going through what is probably an incredibly stressful time. And then some folks are like, oh yeah, I want to do that. I want to be the rep in the meeting for people. I want to be there with them and look over the documents and I'm really analytical. So I want to see what the employer are talking about and yeah. look at our contract. And, and again, there's, there's folks who like you got involved in our political work that we were yep, doing totally on accident started out <laughs> started out with bargaining and just and all of a sudden you're testifying to the yes, state senate it really was and it was very much like that and you never know what you're going to fall into because you may start out thinking oh, i'm really only going to focus on this part like how i intended when i started it's like i really just want to focus on bargaining right i'm really uncomfortable in wine gardens and i worry that i wouldn't do a good enough job there that I missed something. And I don't want to possibly negatively impact someone's job. Yeah. And then the next thing I know, I have a story to tell and the time and the people that tell it to is just on point. It just happens to be for Washington state legislature. And it wasn't just once last year, it was again this year. Yep. And it was an incredible process to be a part of. And I did that as a union steward standing up not just for myself, but for us and for everyone and to make positive changes. And it fortunately led to that safe staffing law being passed, which is coming into play now. We're going to delve more into that in a later episode. My union stewardship led to me joining the healthcare advisory board, the Mm -hmm. HCAB, and now doing this podcast. So you really never know where you're going to go, but you don't have to do all of these things. Just pick what you're interested in and focus on that because it's another way of participating. 
That's right. And I would say from my own experience, have plenty of workers, plenty of members, plenty of stewards who are just, and it's, it's such an amazing thing, right? Yes. I say this purely as a good thing is that they are just so interested in hyper-specific parts of the work that we do. Mm-hmm. I have stewards that I know I can rely on and I know I can count on to reach out to and be like, we need to get signatures on a petition. And they're like, Done. get it in my hands. <laughs> and I, you know, like they are ready to go. They've got oh, yeah. the energy, the rap. And then other folks that I can count on to say, we have someone who has a meeting set up on uh, Tuesday. I'm in bargaining all day. Can you be there with them? And oh, what's their name? I'll call them right away. Yep. You know, and those are two very different things. Very different. They can be the same. That can be one person that wants to yep. do both of those things. But as your staff rep, and I would, I don't want to speak on behalf of all of my uh, coworkers and colleagues, but if I reach out to a steward and say, hey, we have this thing coming up, we really need you to be involved. Of course, we want folks to be involved, right? And the particulars of that situation are really going to, I think, determine how much we need folks involved mm-hmm. and, and to what degree on each specific work site, right? It's bargaining. Everyone's got to be there. Yes. I think that that is... The best part about stewardship, especially in an organization where we have so much work that we're involved in, you can really yeah. choose as a as a member, as a leader, as a steward to get involved in whatever and facet honestly, of that work. I think having that ability to say no made me so much more comfortable jumping into other things that I wouldn't have even considered. Yeah. Because worst case scenario, if I try it out, I don't have to stick with it. It's not a job. No, I can experiment and test this out and see if this is really for me and end up liking it and enjoying it and right. progressing. And feeling empowered. Yes. Right? Because that can be another thing too. You can walk away from something you weren't so interested in doing in the first place as a steward and be like, whoa, that was a great experience. Yeah. And I'm sure, you know. Yep. It's happened several times already. Oh, that was terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. Did you walk away being like, what a mistake? Or like, I sat there that shaking so for five minutes after I was done with okay. my speech via Zoom. Probably like going, tunnel vision. Oh my gosh. I was so, so yeah. Yeah. yeah Cause public speaking is not my skill set. I didn't go to school on those days that we had to give the speeches to the class. Nope, I stayed home sick. But she did go to but school on union podcast days. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. On those days, she was I, like, I, I got to be there. Days. I'm going to, yeah, that is very important to me. I got yeah. an A in that class. <laughs> absolutely. How many other reps do you work with? Because Washington's a fairly large state. There's a ton of facilities that our union is involved in. It's yep. not just healthcare. We cover a ton of contracts. Yeah. We've got to have more than just one Brandon, right? Yep. There are so many other reps. I think one thing that has been really excellent for our members and certainly for those reps as well and their ability to, like, I guess their knowledge and, and professional development in that is we have, I think, become a bit more specific now about industry specific, right? Okay. Or sector specific. And so, like I said, I've always been in healthcare. I love being a healthcare rep. I love working with our healthcare members. Not that I wouldn't probably find that same experience with other members, but I've really come to enjoy working with healthcare members. But yeah, we divvy it up mostly by pod. Or what okay. we call them. So they're geographically split regions and little pods of reps. And that's typically going to be for like who, you know, if we have a rep who is taking time away, right? Or mm-hmm. sick or vacation leave, anything like that, right? The pod will cover for them while they're out. Okay. And so I personally, I live in Tacoma. And so my pod is primarily made up of like South Puget Sound. Mm-hmm. I believe I have five other reps in my pod that yeah, I think I'm her, overshooting it. So <laughs> I'm overshooting it. So I promise I'm not forgetting anyone. Um, but you know, those are the folks that we can reach out to and say, Hey, I have this situation with this member. This is what's going on. And have you ever seen this in the past? How would you approach this? Mm-hmm. It's kind of our ability to discuss with one another, right? 
I think I always say as a yeah. rep, I'm just fully indebted to all of the other reps and union staff and leaders at UFCW that I have learned information from and picked up skills from. And so that gives us that avenue to do that with our pods and having like people that are kind of by their very structure, able to reach out to for questions, concerns, et cetera. Hey, I need help on this situation. I've never come across this before. What can yeah, we do? Yeah, it's your team. Right. And it's great. In working with my pod, I've gotten to meet members at work sites that I don't have mm-hmm. and, you know, attend meetings and steward trainings with different industries that I wouldn't typically work with. Mm-hmm. And I love that too, because, you know, I love healthcare, but it is so exciting to work with a different industry of workers and hear yeah. what is going on in our grocery department. Yeah. You know, what are these workers going through right now? What is going on in our cannabis division? Or even our coffee division. There are now coffee shops that right. are becoming part of our union. Yeah. Is there any work site that cannot be unionized? That's a good question. I don't know if there is a legal answer to that. Like yeah, could... specifically, no. I'm going to say yes because I'm the union organizer and I bias. <laughs> Every worker should have a union. Every worker should have a union. <laughs> and so that's, I think, what I was also wanting to boil this point down to yeah. is if someone is listening to this podcast that isn't part of our union... Can they unionize? They should absolutely give us a call. Talk to your coworkers, right? Yeah. Get the temperature of the room. Right. Do you have to have a feeling. certain number of people to qualify maybe? I'm going to say no. I don't think so either. I right? also don't know the answer to that, but really? I do think it would be very funny if one guy was like, <laughs> I would like to uh, I'm in a union now. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and then we, you know, we'll get you a staff bargainer Any to get that contract. Sayers. No, no. Yeah. Excellent. I want to say no to that. I mean, I think, and this may be a shared experience with either other union members or stewards or union staff, but being the union rep or union organizer, you inherently from friends and family get questions mm-hmm. like that. Hey, my coworkers and I are going through this terrible thing at work. What can we do? And I love doing that. I mean, yes. that's like... You're able to solve something and change someone's day and their, yeah. their everyday situation. Yep. It's so satisfying when you get to make that happen. And again, so many folks don't have that immediate knowledge yes. available to them. But we'll get questions all the time. Hey, I my company is just doing this and it's driving all of us crazy. What can I do? We're thinking we might want to unionize, but I don't think that there are unions for my industry. Mm-hmm. I'm sharing a, an experience from a, a good friend of mine who is an engineer. And yeah. He's like, I don't think that there's really unions in this industry. First of all, if there's not, guess who gets to be the first one? <laughs> <laughs> and now you get to be on the news probably. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Um, and if there are, we can find it. You know, yeah. so sure enough, I found a larger organization just by looking online, mm-hmm. which is another great resource that we have for answering questions like that. But finding, hey, is there an organization that represents engineers? Or this different industry that we maybe don't know whether or not there's ever been a union for that industry. We have those resources available. And I would say step one is always going to be talk to your coworkers, right? Yep. If you're having those frustrations, if you're having those workplace issues that you're all feeling, we can't deal with this anymore. We have to do something about this. You've already gotten the bulk of the work out of the way. Right. So that is absolutely true. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, don't know the legal answer to that, but I'm going to say, I'm gonna say yes. <laughs> I, I don't either, but I'm also <laughs> saying yes. I'm going to leave this in here too, because yep. I, I think it was a great discussion. You get a union. <laughs> get a union. Yeah. Everybody gets a union. Everybody gets a union. <laughs> That's what this podcast is going to do. You know, join arm in arm, hand in hand with their coworkers and say, we're doing something about this. Yeah. Simply put, you can. You absolutely can. We can. We all can. That's right. It's the motto. We all can. We all can. 
that's the fundamentals. I mean, yeah, it's really as simple as that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate everything. If you have any questions or you want to know more about our union, go to our website at ufcw3000.org. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and thank you for listening. Have a fabulous day.